The world-famous Superbook Sports has been at the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk for nearly a year. What are you waiting for? You can get right in the heart of the action. Catch all the games on their state-of-the-art TVs in the comfort of this traditional sportsbook. I have been there. It is a fantastic place to watch a game. Superbook Sports is known for better odds, favorable pricing, and an extensive wagering menu focusing on your Colorado teams. Now the Lodge Casino is your first place for fun and for sports. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 for help. Welcome to the Broncos Podcast with Troy Rink. I am your host, Troy Rink from Denver 7. It is a snowy Friday here in Longmont, Colorado. we got our first real snow of the season, I think four and a half inches. Be safe out there. It's always uh, tricky those first few days when black ice returns on the road and visibility becomes uh, problematic. So be safe out there, you all. Hope you're enjoying your bye week. I had a wonderful time spending one extra day in Europe. Uh, my wife and I went to Paris on the channel, as they call it. That thing is fantastic. You actually go underneath the water from London to Paris and back. It's a little expensive, but two hours and 10 minutes to go from London to Paris by train. Just an absolute fun day. Uh, spent a day in Paris, which I, I took French in high school, four years of French. So I always wanted to just see Paris because you study about these things for four years. I don't speak much French now other than <laughs> parlez-vous français and je m'appelle Troy, my name is. <laughs> and I can count to 10, which helped me order uh, some food uh, in Paris. That was about it. Uh, I would suggest that though, if you ever get over there, the one thing that uh, was different about being in both London and Paris is just the the appreciation and the breathtaking history. I love history. Uh, it was one of my favorite subjects in school. And we think when we see a building in the United States, and oh, that was built in the 1800s, 1850, 1825. The school the Broncos practiced at outside of London was 450 years old. And when you see architecture in London and Paris, uh, we were able to go to Windsor Castle on Saturday before the game in London. I mean, the history just... It's documented from the 1400s, and so it's rather amazing to think, man, this has been around for 700, 800 years. And uh, so, I, if you ever have a chance, you know, I would recommend it. it. Just helps provide you a different perspective, a different lens from which to view the world. And I'm happy I was able to see Buckingham Palace and Windsor Castle and Eiffel Tower. It's just fantastic. They had an interesting fact on the Eiffel Tower that no one uh, died during the construction uh, of the Eiffel Tower, which is amazing given, again, the age of the tower. But it, it was worth it. Uh, people were great, uh, welcoming, especially in London. And I, I do plan to go back someday. I'd like to go see Ireland. And then maybe just a regular vacation in Hawaii on a beach without my cell phone. Uh, but cell phone kept buzzing this week. As you all know, the trade deadline hit and that's why i was flying over the atlantic on tuesday thank you united airlines for their wi-fi working and was able to still cover and text sources as the broncos as expected as i kept telling uh almost everyone uh, as they started to lose that he was the most likely player to be traded and that would be bradley chubb and it hurts it stings that you trade a guy who is tied for the team lead in sacks at five and a half. And this is the second straight year they've traded their top pass rusher. Last year it was Von Miller. The Broncos 
are the only team to trade players who then ended up in the Super Bowl in recent years, and that was Emmanuel Sanders in 19 who played in the Super Bowl with the 49ers. Von Miller won a Super Bowl last year with the Rams, and now Bradley Chubb's got a chance to get there. I, I don't like their chances if they have to play in Buffalo in the playoffs. I, I don't see Miami winning that game, but the one missing component with Miami was their lack of pass rush inability to get after the quarterback, and Bradley Chubb will help them, and he will be missed. He's an absolute leader in the locker room. I mean, this was give you some insight on the type of person Bradley Chubb was. When Greg Dolchich, uh, Greg Dulcich uh, had his first touchdown, Bradley Chubb, whose locker is near him in the, in the locker room, or was, uh, bought him a gift. And then Nick Bonito, the second-round pick, who plays the same position as Chubb, outside linebacker, he bought him a bottle of a liqueur. It looked like his favorite liqueur. And telling him, hey, first of many. This is the kind of stuff Bradley Chubb did. He, you know, he was ingrained in him from his mom and dad, his family. I went to multiple Bradley Chubb events with for his foundation, the Chubb Foundation, one at Top Golf, and then last summer around the Fourth of July holiday, a huge camp with like 400 kids at Denver South. Just, and that's Bradley, and he will be missed in the community. He will be missed in the locker room, but the Broncos were rightly sellers. When you're three and five, you're not a good football team. When you're three and five, you have to take stock and realize this roster isn't as close as we thought it was. I thought they would have a winning record this year at nine and eight and possibly go ten and seven and reach the playoffs. That's what I thought they were. They're not because their offense stinks. And with all due respect to two drives in Jacksonville, their offense still over the aggregate of eight games absolutely stinks. And we'll get into more of that later. But you become sellers for back to back seasons in George Payton's tenure. The Von Miller trade helped them get Russell Wilson when you're 3-5 and five and recognize that you're going to have to probably rebuild your offensive line. You need to address right tackle in the draft in a meaningful way. These are deals you have to make. And whether you say they're waving the white flag or not, I mean, the reality is, does anybody watch this team right now and say, oh, yeah, they're going to win seven more games and get to the playoffs or six more games? Uh, I mean, that is unbridled optimism. That is calling, that would be for me blind faith, believing in what cannot be seen because I don't watch this team and say they've got six more wins in them because they play the Chiefs twice, namely, and the Titans on the road and the Ravens on the road. I mean, if you're going to win those games, you have to be much better offensively. So you trade. And I would give the trade, and I hate to be giving trade grades in season because, again, it shows you're out of it. The trade's an A. You get a first back, you get a fourth rounder back, and you get uh, a running back at Chase Edmonds. I mean, that's a fungible piece. I'm not going to react to what Chase Edmonds is. They keep collecting running backs for odd reasons. I'm not even sure what Chase Edmonds' role is unless they see him next year when Gordon's gone. Maybe they see him in a role at that point. But when I asked George Payton about it, he said that Gordon's still the starter along with Latavius Murray. And then you've got Edmonds as more of a third down guy. I got to see that. He's not considered really a pass catcher out of the backfield, which third down guys are. But I see it with Gordon starting, Murray finishing. That's how they won this game this uh, past weekend against the Jaguars before this bye. But looking at just taking an objective view, the 33rd team, which they do great work, their analyst, TJ McCrate, he gave the Broncos an A for the trade. Um, and mainly because they got draft capital, multiple picks back, draft capital that they lost in the Russell Wilson de- trade. Now they have a first-rounder, which gives them a chance to move up if they need to to get a piece. I mean, they've got to get a piece for me uh, to address right tackle in a meaningful way. 
uh, because they're just offensively, they're not there yet. They're not, and it's become clear by the day uh, that they just need to improve the personnel along the offensive side. But they traded Bradley Chubb, and it hurts. And I know from texting with defensive players, they're not happy because they're playing their ass off, and they're the reason this team, frankly, should be 5-3 and three or 6-2, and two, and it does feel like surrender to them. And so would I see games in the second half where the defense, the elasticity finally gives? I would. I would. I mean, I watched that in 2016 uh, where the Broncos' defense finally broke and then the, you know against the Chiefs that one night. Uh, Gary Kubiak's last road game as a coach, and then at the Eagles, Vance Joseph the next year. The defense finally, they get to a point in games where it's not that they consciously do this. I'm not saying that. But the three and outs exhaust the defense, and they break. And then you're like, oh, the defense wasn't as good either. It's You have to play complementary football. And until the Broncos' offense can stay on the field consistently, and it's not even scoring drives all the time. It's a seven, eight-play drive and you just you flip the field and you punt and the other team takes over at the 8-yard line. That's it's those three and out drives that last a minute 20 that are crushing this defense and so it's going to have repercussions. And without Bradley Chubb, they're not a better team this season. With all due respect to George Payton, and when he said that they would have made the trade regardless of the record, I don't believe that. If you were 6 and 2 leading the AFC West, you're going to trade your leading sack guy? Come on. Let me know how that goes over in the locker room when you're trying to win a division title. I mean, don't play us for fools here. Just say, hey, we didn't plan on trading him. We could have franchise tagged him and got a picks for him in the offseason. Obviously, we had to pivot because we're 3-5 and five and our offense is averaging 15.1 points a game, 31st in the league, second only to the Steelers who are rolling out a rookie quarterback. That's fine. Just be transparent. Don't tell me you're going to make that move regardless of the record. If you're making that move and you're six and two and you're gonna blow up your locker room, okay, okay. Right. Anyway, uh, I do like the trade because of where they are in the season. It does allow for more time for Nick Benito, who played significant snaps in this last game. 42%, excuse me, uh, 42 snaps, that was 58%. He got a sack and a couple of tackles. You're gonna see more of Nick Benito, who's got really good burst off the side. Uh He's the kid from Oklahoma who's gone from, you know, really struggling to learn the defense to making progress late in camp, especially in that Dallas scrimmage, his best day of the summer, to seeing more snaps. And, and then you get Baron Browning is expected back. And he got hurt. He had a hip flexor in the game against the Jets. The anticipation is that he could play against the Titans. They will need him because he's a guy who can set the edge. And that's the one thing you lose with Bradley Chubb. Miami, I don't know that they understand the player they're getting. He's not Bradley Chubb's not a sack machine. He can get to the quarterback. But some of his value is his size. He's 265 pounds. I was talking to him about this recently. He can set the edge. He can help in the run game. And that's where Baron Browning is a former inside linebacker with that versatility who really understands fits in the run game, having seen it from the inside last season. He, they need him back. I mean, Nick Benito is more of a just straight pass rusher, get him on third and long, second and longs, let him go. Browning is more of the versatile guy that can play run and pass, so they need him back. Randy Gregory, he's not going to be back. He would be eligible to play against the Titans when he had knee surgery after the Vegas game. That was uh, right around the 1st of October. He had his knee surgery around 10-3, 10-4, one of those days. And so it's now been a month 
and it sounds like it's going to be more like six weeks. It was always going to be four to six weeks, so that hurts because he was really having a nice season. Uh, they do need he and Browning back together if you're going to say, how do you make up for the absence of Bradley Chubb? Well, if Gregory's healthy and Browning's healthy and Benito's your sub with Jonathan Cooper, yeah, you're fine. You're not better again right now, but going into next year, you're fine. But Gregory's got to play. That was the issue. When you paid Gregory, this deal for Chubb was always in the offing. You paid Gregory in March, gave him $28 million guaranteed. Then you drafted Nick Benito. I mean, they weren't going to pay Chubb and Gregory. And good for Chubb because he ends up getting a much better deal. He ends up $119 million total, 111 on the extension, $63 million guaranteed, $53 million signing bonus. He wasn't getting that in Denver. And frankly, they can't afford to do that given the number of offensive issues they have. They can't keep allocating money. You can't spend $63 million guaranteed to him and $28 million up front to uh, almost $35 million to Gregory, $100 million in outside rushers for an offense that can't score a team with this you know, just absolutely putrid offense. So the deal made total sense. It made total sense. Three and five, he was your best asset. And you move on. Just don't tell me you would have done it regardless of record. I don't believe that. That's insulting to the fans that you were going to trade him if you were 6-2. and two. Come on. We, you don't need to go there. Just admit we had to pivot. The season's been a disappointment. We all got to get better. And unfortunately, there's guys that were sacrificed to help build draft capital for future roster construction. We all see it. We all see it. So George Payton and Nathaniel Hackett, all talked, and Bradley Chubb talked uh, when he arrived in Miami. I want you to hear that sound. And George Payton was asked on Tuesday, the day of the trade deadline, what should fans' expectations be for the team for the rest of the season? And then Hackett addressed, you know, moving on after deals. And then Bradley Chubb, we hear from him after his first uh, presser in Miami. I would tell them our goals haven't changed. And we feel we can still win moving forward. We feel we have... We have depth at the outside linebacker position. We have a top five defense. Um, we feel like the offense is turning in the right direction. We believe in our coaching staff. We believe in the, our players, and we feel like we can make a push in the second half. Change is the norm, not, uh, nothing else. So you always have to be ready to adapt to anything, whether it be an injury, whether it be a trade, whether it be, uh, I mean, anything can happen. And so we always have to be ready to adapt as coaches and as a team and bond together with, with that group that's in there and get ready to go win a football game week in and week out. Mr. Greg, Mr. Chris, uh, Coach McDaniel, Mr. Ross, for believing in me, uh, training for me, uh, training a lot for me and, and being able to, to pay me and do all that. So uh, it's, a, it's a blessing, it's an honor. I'm excited to get this thing going. I just want to thank all the people out of Denver too, with George Payton, John Elway, the, the Bowling family, the, the Walton family that just came in for, for the opportunity as well. So appreciate y'all. We'll be back to the pod in a second. First, let's pay some bills. Have you been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work? Give my friends at Hoggett Injury Law a call. Their motto, with us, it's personal. I've known Darby Hoggett for years. We traveled the country watching our boys play baseball in Phoenix, Vegas, Dallas, San Diego, you name it. We talked Broncos. We talked a lot of baseball. And I became good friends with Darby. In fact, many of his clients have become his good friends. You don't even have to pay Darby up front. If your case goes as planned, Darby will be the one writing checks to you. So again, if you've been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work, give Darby's team a call. That's 1-833-HOGGIT, 1-833-H-O-G-G-A-T-T, or visit the website at hogitlaw.com. 
Com. Listen, the weather's changing, at least here in Colorado. Never a bad time to enhance your home, make it more comfortable. Glass doors, they can add a nice touch. And that's where my man, Jamie Hay, comes in. He and his wife, Lisa, run RBJ Glass. It's a family business. They pride themselves on customer service, honesty, and integrity. I've known Jamie forever. He's a man of character and principle. It shows in their business. They do great work. RBJ Glass installs European shower enclosures, standard shower glass. They do mirrors, window and glass replacement, insulated doggy doors, office cubicles, and small commercial storefronts. They have competitive prices and offer discounts to veterans, senior citizens, and have even accommodated single parents. Give my friend Jamie of RBJ Glass a call. That's Jamie, 720-883-3144, 720-883-3144, or email Jamie at rbjglass2017 at gmail.com. This is Shelly Majors, GM of the Blake Street Tavern. Time to book those holiday parties, gang, and we can accommodate groups of 10 to 500. And if you have six or 700, I'll make it work. In case you didn't know, I'm kind of a big deal. And a bit of a nutcracker. It's the Blake Street Tavern, where Denver watches sports. All right, welcome back to the Broncos podcast with Troy Rink. I'm your host, Troy Rink, from Denver 7. Listen, the Broncos are 3-5. and five. Their chances of making the playoffs right now are somewhere between, if you look at the models, 8%, 12% could go up. If they beat Tennessee coming out of the bye, they'd have a real chance. Uh, then you're getting around the 20s in terms of making it because you'd be taken seriously to win a game like that on the road. The problem is Derrick Henry. He is the reigning offensive player of the month. The Broncos have had trouble now stopping the run these last few games. They had trouble against Josh Jacobs. They had trouble against the Jets. And Travis Etienne absolutely is a bolt of lightning against them. So they have got to figure out how to stop the run better to have a chance to upset the Titans in Tennessee. Now, again, if Malik Willis is playing and you know, you've got a rookie quarterback, you'd have a shot. But for the Broncos to have any opportunity to pull off the upset, they've got to avoid those big chunk plays in the run game that have actually crushed them the last couple of weeks uh, against the Jets, Jaguars, and we all know what Josh Jacobs did to, to them against Vegas. But honestly, I'm not going to pin this on the defense. Of course, they have to slow the run against the Titans. The reality is the Broncos' offense has to just be much better. I mean, it's really – they rank – 31st in points at 15 points a game. Um, they're ahead of only the Steelers. To get, here's the math I want you guys to understand. The Broncos, to average 20 points a game for the season, over their final nine games, they'd have to average 24.5 points. That's the number I thought they'd be at to start the season. That's a playoff number. So to average 20 points a game, to finish the season averaging 20 points a game, they're going to have to average 24.5, 24.4 specifically over the final nine games. If they do that, they would have a chance to be around 8-9. You know, they would have a chance, I mean, maybe 9-8, and eight, I'm not going to say that, but they would be competitive based if their defense continued to play on the arc they are on right now. Uh, but that just gives you an idea. They'd have to average almost nine and a half points more over the final nine games than they scored in the first eight games to get to 20 points a game. And that's why that's this for Coach Hackett to save his job. That's the number, if I'm him, I'm looking at. Averaging 24 and a half, 25 points a game over the final nine. And I don't know that that's realistic, but he was brought in to do one thing. That's fix the offense. And they've gotten worse under his watch. And that's a problem. 
that's a problem when your whole fit was and whole scheme was, I'm going to caffeinate the building, I'm going to provide energy, create relationships. But more than anything, you've got to provide offense. All that other stuff is ancillary. It is good. I like a player who connects with coaches. I like a guy who builds relationships and trusts. I do. I appreciate that. But the NFL, more than any other sport, is a production business. It's about one thing, wins. And the only way the Broncos are going to start stacking wins is if their offense is functional. And we're listening to George Payton and Hackett talk about progress because of two drives against Jacksonville. Two drives. The 98-yard drive was impressive. I wrote about it. But it wasn't the drive. It wasn't John Elway and Cleveland to take you to a Super Bowl. It was in London, not Cleveland. And it was to save your season because you've been so putrid offensively. The last one for me was the most impressive. When you had to have one, the alarms are blaring. You're down 17 to 14. Wilson goes to Hamler on the sideline and says, hey, I'm going to you. That was given like a 19% chance of completion by next-gen stats, and they connect. That's what winning football teams do, make plays when it matters most. And the Broncos were 3-for-3 in the red zone after starting the season 2-for-17. If you want to tell me where there's progress, that's the one area they made progress against Jacksonville, which has a pretty good defense. Three for three on touchdowns in the red zone. But now you've got to back it up. That's what good teams do. It's called consistency. I covered baseball for 15 years. I could see a guy go three for three, but if he goes 0 for four or 0 for, excuse me, his next 15 with 10 strikeouts, the three for three becomes hollow. I mean, it loses its steam and its significance. It's about consistency. And when I talk about guys like how do you become – great in a sport in baseball specifically it's just be good for a long time how does this broncos offense get back into the conversation it's not with two good drives against jacksonville it's stacking games together where you look up and go hey when they have the ball when four minutes left five minutes left we feel like they have a chance not with fans exiting the stadium in one score games that's a problem that's a direct reflection of a team that was bad and boring in the first half. So hopefully they can build off it because those, those drives were impressive. Those drives were impressive. But they're two drives among eight games that were really, really difficult to digest offensively. So what do they need to do specifically? Well, their pass game is brutally bad. Do you realize they have six touchdown passes? Do you know where that ranks in the league after eight games? Dead last with Russell Wilson? Are you kidding me? I mean, well, Geno Smith's up there in Seattle playing like an all-pro. The Broncos' offense ranks dead last in touchdown passes. It's embarrassing. And the numbers bear that out. And there's some numbers I got want you guys to hear. And this is why it's, it's related to the scheme, and it's related to the pieces. It's related to the offensive line that's causing these issues. But you got to have playmakers. You got to make plays. And you got to play better. When, I mean, frankly, when uh, Glasgow went in at center, they, the offensive line seemed to settle down. Maybe they found something there. I said that over the summer, too, that Glasgow's best position for me is clearly, clearly center. He's very knowledgeable, and he's protected inside more. At guard, he looks done. He looks like he's washed, frankly. But at center, he was functional. Maybe it was one game. I don't know. But I think you got to consider all combinations because your line – and Calvin Anderson, frankly, is better at left tackle than he was at right tackle. That's a better fit for him. And if Billy Turner can stay healthy, maybe you got something you can build on. But for this offense, moving forward, please run the Russell Wilson Seattle offense. Put him under center. 
move the pocket, have him get a couple of first downs with his feet, scramble with purpose, and set up play action by running the football. That's who he is. That's who he is. Stop putting him in shotgun. And I know he was agreeing to it or they wouldn't have done it. But he's not Drew Brees. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Phillip Rivers. He's Russell Wilson who was going to the Hall of Fame and I still think he will end up there because of the style of play. Not adaptability because of his style of play. Running around, making plays, coloring outside the lines. Because here's the issue. He's always had at least 1,000-yard receiver. He's not even a pace for a 1,000-yard receiver this season. And it's frightening uh, when you look at it. But when you look at the pace this season, you've got Cortland Sutton, who's on pace for 74 catches, 992 yards, two touchdowns. Jerry Judy on pace, 64 catches, 954 yards, and six touchdowns. Judy's been more similar to what I expected from him. Sutton's problem is he just disappears for long stretches. And if you don't believe me, let the numbers tell you. Over the last three games, Judy, 16 catches, 213 yards, one touchdown. Sutton, last three games, six catches, 50 yards, no touchdowns. Over the last 19 games for both of them, last 19 games, folks, Cortland Sutton has 60 catches, 772 yards, and two touchdowns. I get it. The quarterback play's been bad, the coordinator, but does that sound like a number one? That sounds like a possession receiver. That's not a number one. And Judy, on that same time, is on pace for 74 catches, 992 yards, and two touchdowns. Over That's not on pace, but over those last 19 games. They need more from him, folks. And they might have found some secret sauce in Greg Dulcich. Uh, Dulcich gives you an advantage in the middle of the field they haven't had. So maybe that's the secret sauce. I would lean on the young guys, Judy, K.J. Hamler, and Dolchich moving forward. If there is matchups for Sutton, great, but don't force it. I think that's part of the problem Russell Wilson fell into is he only trusted Sutton. Some of these young guys you're going to have to trust if this offense is going to take off. I'm not saying go away completely from Cortland Sutton, but you can't lean on him like he's Cooper Cup, like he's Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase statistically and the eye test tells you he's not that player. He's a nice player. You've got to keep leaning on these young guys who are getting separation and see if they can get you big plays because that is the key. But there's also another key for this team in the second half of the season that might determine whether or not Coach Hackett gets a year two uh, with the whistle over his neck here in Denver, whether he gets a chance to be the coach for a second season. And we'll get to that after the break. Well, you know who knows top prospects, and the Broncos have a few, including Nick Benito, as I mentioned earlier. That's my man, Lou Birch of Birch Prospects. I've known Lou for several years. He helped both my sons play college baseball. My youngest is finishing up at Westmont College in Santa Barbara. My oldest pitched at the University of Cardiff Springs as a left-handed reliever. Birch Prospects is a college recruiting service on a national scale. The organization has placed over 800 student-athletes into college programs in 41 states. Lewis had 27 athletes drafted, three in the big leagues this past year. The services include recruiting management, video, and national marketing. Birch Prospect's footprint extends from the coast to the coast. Countless D1, D2, D3, NAI schools, and JUCO. Every fit, Lou can find one. For more info, check out the website at birchprospects.com. That's birch, B-I-R-C-H, prospects.com. Give Lou a call or 858-334-9023. 
Welcome back for the final part of the Broncos podcast with Troy Rink. I am your host, Troy Rink from Denver 7. First, I want to thank you all for the support. The pod continues to grow. We had a record download day on Monday after the win. Uh, record number of downloads for my pod um, since I switched over to Mile High Sports Platform. And it was it's just you guys are the best. I can't thank you enough. Your passion for this team. I understand the lack of patience and frustration. I flew back with several of you from London. And you're, you're diehard fans. You want this team to do well, but you also want them to show progress and competency and, and be a fun watch, frankly. And we view football through that prism now, through offense, because of gambling, because of fantasy football. But it's not just that. We can't just say, oh, it's just how we see the world. You can't score 15 points a game. You can't. It's inexcusable. But another thing that's inexcusable, the number of Broncos penalties. It is laughable of where they rank in penalties. Do you realize the Broncos have been penalized 70 times? <clears throat> Think on that. 70 times in eight games. What? For 600 yards. The next closest team in penalties? The Seahawks at 60. I mean, what are we doing? The Broncos are tied for the league lead in false starts at 15. They're tied... They they have the league lead in defensive pass interference at seven. Their holdings rank fourth, offensive holding at nine. Folks, you can't win this way. You can't win this way. And Mark Schlereth, I was just talking to him on the radio on 104.3 The Fan where I do my Friday spot with he and Mike Evans. And he's either coaching it or you're allowing it. When you get penalized and you lack discipline, that is an indictment of the head coach. End of story, period, end of discussion. You've got to stop the penalties. You've got to coach it out of them. I don't want to hear excuses on certain refs call more. They all end up refing the same number of games. That's what umpires, oh, well, umpires lost the game for us. You're going to have a game where you get screwed. I get it. I coached for 15 years, played my whole life. I understand it. But when you are have 10 more penalties than anyone else in the league, that's on you. Look in the mirror and fix it because you cannot win close games consistently when you're doing stupid stuff to put yourself behind the sticks put yourself in third and longs you have to be better and the false starts I can't tell you enough that they should have kept Mike Munchak as the offensive line coach there's just no way around it they're not running the outside zone run scheme which is the reason they ostensibly brought in Butch Berry if you're not going to do it you should have kept Munchak you would have got better out of Bulls he was hurt but you would have better out of Bulls the the respect they have for him is obvious and to me, you would have been a better offensive line. And I don't root for people to get fired. I'm just explaining the fit. When you bring in a new coach, it's not to get worse. And they've done that offensively. But for Hackett, if he wants to walk away and have a chance to keep his job at the end of the season, because the, the Broncos, the one thing that has to happen at the end of this year is Russell Wilson has to be playing well, no matter who the coach is next year, because he is going to be part of the operation moving forward. There may be other changes around this, but from a cap perspective, you're not moving on from Russell Wilson. He's your guy. You need him to look like he did from kind of the middle of second quarter on against Jacksonville. That's who he is. If he plays like that, it gives you reason for hope going into next season. But the other thing is, along with Hackett getting Wilson going in the offense, you've got to be a more disciplined football team. You're not good enough to beat a Chiefs or a Titans or the Ravens on the road or at home, frankly, getting penalized all the time. So clean it up, tighten it up. And what we saw in Jacksonville offered glimmers of hope. It gives you reason to think, okay, maybe they can get this thing going. But they're going to have to play cleaner football, 
much better offensively. And, you know, you cross your fingers, you get Randy Gregory, Baron Browning back to pick up for the loss of Chubb and move forward. They got a chance. It's it's a glimmer, but they have a chance. So, folks, I can't thank you enough again for your support of my podcast. I have a blast doing it um, twice a week. Again, if you, this is a bye week. It's Monday, Friday. And it would not be possible without my friends from Mile High Sports, Superbook Sports, Hoggett Injury Law, Birch Prospects, RBJ Glass, and Blake Street Tavern. Without them, I would not be doing the pod. And my son, Dagan, uh, who is working in baseball and still finds time to turn my pods around. He's the best. Uh, I can't thank him enough. Broncos country, I do this pod for you. Happiness that begins with me. Go out there and have a great day. <laughs>